Good morning, everyone. And if you're in the foyer and planning to join us, would you like to come through? Nobody moves. Oh, here we come. <laughs> um, just before we start our service, uh, Peter and John have both got notices, so if you'd like to come. Morning, all. Morning, John. Just to um, very quick notice. When was I ever quick? I know. Um, we're restarting one tonight at seven o'clock. Um, just to remind you all, that the vision of one was one church, which is all wings of the church, for one uh, for one hour. And I do keep that limit, that time limit, very strictly, for one purpose, which is to pray. Now, um, it's at 7 o'clock tonight, and we would like to try and encourage people to come. I don't know how many of you heard um, Kevin Roberts' sermon last week about praying in the Spirit, but a lot of us have been really inspired by that. Mm. And I, was, I felt the Lord nudging me, saying we, we need to start using one to learn to do this, and it's very much all of us learning together. So I would encourage, if you can come, I would encourage you to come. If nothing else, we are meeting with our God, but... As Kevin said, uh, Kevin said last week, that there's such a conversation in prayer between the three members of the Trinity, and we're invited to join into that. Now, I find that very exciting. So um, if you can come, it would be lovely to see you. Thank you. Good morning, folks. Um, just been asked to say that um, Sunbeam starts a week on Monday, not tomorrow. Um, there's a PD day at Oak Meadows School, so therefore Sunbeams isn't starting tomorrow. So if that applies to you or you know people who come to Sunbeams, please do say it's not, to it's not tomorrow, it starts a week on Monday. Okay. Um, also, there are photocopies available, the home group notes. If you're a home group leader here to, um, uh, today and uh, you're going to be one tomorrow, um, please do take a copy there on the table as you go out um, and also, um, the, the sermon series is based on this book by J. John called Just Ten. Um, so, uh, James, I think, will order some. There's a sign-up sheet. If you want to order this book, um, it's, a, it's a really good read, and it goes with the sermon series. Please do put your name on the sign-up sheet, and, uh, and I think James will get you a copy and then obviously ask you to pay for it as well. Thank you, Ashley. Um, I'll do James's usual rider. That are there any second-hand copies, James? No, no second-hand copies that he'll illuminate. So we're going to start our service. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to join together in this place as church. We ask that you would bless us, that we will hear what it is you want us to hear this morning and that the food that we receive we will dwell on throughout this coming week so that our lives will be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please stand if you're able and we'll sing together our first song which is praise to the Lord the Almighty.
time of prayer now. Um, has everybody got two pipe cleaners? <laughs> Including the children. <laughs> if you haven't, stick your hand up and James will, um, will give you some. Thank you, James. And then we'll conclude our time of prayer. I will conclude our time of prayer by praying for the children as they go out to their group. So you might be wondering why you've got two pipe cleaners. We're going to pray two things. Firstly, for something or someone that we would like to bring before God. And secondly, for ourselves. And of course, Philippians 4 tells us to bring our petitions before him, doesn't it? So if you take one of your pipe cleaners, and it doesn't matter if you're not terribly dexterous, just do what you can. And I would like you just to form an image of what it is you'd like to pray for. So I have a friend who's just been diagnosed with quite a nasty illness. And her name begins with M. So I have shaped an M with one of my pipe cleaners. So you might like to shape the initial of a person or an S for school if you want to pray for children going back for school or the initial letter of a country or if you're very dexterous, something else that uh, you can manage. 
And then, as we hold our pipe cleaner to remind us of what we're praying for, we're going to spend a few moments in silence, praying. If you would like to pray out loud, then please do. We're not going to rush around with the mic, so uh, don't worry about having a mic stuck under your nose. But please, if you would like to pray out loud, please do so. So let's pray together. So Father, I'm going to pray for my friend who's just been diagnosed with a really nasty illness. Lord, whatever she's doing this morning, I bring her before you and pray that she'll know your peace and presence with her today and that, Lord, you will bring healing. Amen. If you have your second pipe cleaner, and this time I'd like you to shape it into a cross. And you can do this by bending one of the arms down slightly. At least you could when I practiced it. <laughs> yeah, bend it in half. Bend. There we are. 
and you get some sort of cross. It doesn't matter if it's not an ideal cross, as long as it represents something. My very dexterous daughter managed to produce a dove with hers, but... Um, Has everybody got something that approximates to, to a cross? And we're reminded, of course, aren't we, that Jesus went to the cross on our behalf. And Philip, Mark 10, 51, Jesus says to the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? And he answered, my rabbi, I want to see. Now, if Jesus asked you that same question this morning, what do you want me to do for you? What does our Heavenly Father want to do for you? What would you answer? And then just for a few minutes, hold the cross and talk to God about it. So, Father, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know the desires of our hearts. You've heard what we've said to you this morning. Lord, take those prayers. Give us reassurance where we need reassurance. Give us health where we need health. Take us deeper into you. And Father, may we know that you walk closer to us, that we are indwelt by your Holy Spirit. And in you we are safe and secure. And let's finish our time of prayer by praying for the children as they go to their groups. So, Father, we pray for the young people today as they go out to their groups. We pray that uh, they will have a good time. You will bless their leaders. And that, Father, your presence will be with them. Amen. And as they go, Jacqueline's going to come up uh, and read us our gospel reading. May I suggest you keep both of those pipe cleaners in the shape you made this morning. Take them home and put them somewhere where you can see them. 
so that they remind you to pray for the situation or the person you prayed for this coming week. And the second one, the cross, to remind you that God has heard your prayer. Thank you. The reading this morning are the Ten Commandments from Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do any, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbour. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray for Peter as he brings us God's word. So, Father, we thank you for Peter. We thank you for the time he's spent in preparation. Lord, we thank you that we're starting a new series today on the Ten Commandments. Lord, so fundamental to our walk with you. We pray that you will anoint his words and that we will be a transformed people because we've heard what you want us to hear. Amen. Um, this is my cross I managed to make. I actually used two pipe cleaners because I'm not very creative at all. So, um, but it, I think it's it's. Um, I'm going to leave it on the desk there while I speak, while I preach. Um, so, uh, Ursula's right. We are starting a new uh, series today on the Ten Commandments, and I'm going to start not with the, the Ten Commandments. I'm going to start with um, a different version of the 23rd Psalm. So. Um, it's slightly irreverent, as it were, but um, you'll hear the point, really, when we get to it. So this is called the 23rd Channel. The TV is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
It maketh me to lie down on the sofa. It leadeth me away from face. It destroys my soul. It leadeth me into the paths of sex and violence for the sponsor's sake. Yea, though I walk through the shadow of Christian responsibilities, there is no interruption, for the TV is with me. Its cables and remote control, they comfort me. It prepareth a commercial for me in the presence of my worldliness. It anointeth my head with humanism and consumerism. My coveting runneth over. Surely laziness and ignorance shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house, just watching TV all the time. So we're beginning a series on the Ten Commandments, and these are the, uh, the, 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 the laws that God gave to his people right from the start of his relationship with them, way back in the Old Testament. Um, they were uh, going out of, of Egypt, they were entering the Promised Land, and God them gave them this code to live by. Um, sometimes they're called the Ten Words, sometimes they're called the Decalogue, but they really do form the, the, the basis of the legal framework of our land and much of the Western world, in fact the world over, uh, these words really are foundational um, to laws uh, around the world. Um, and they were written three and a half thousand years ago. They are ancient words and yet they are so relevant to people today. Um, but before we get into looking at them in any, any detail, let's remind ourselves the context that they were given. You remember the story, don't you? The, the, people, of, the people of Israel are uh, were in slavery in Egypt. They were under the Pharaoh. They were under the yoke of slavery. God raises up Moses um, as, uh, as, as his man in that place. And God judges the people in Egypt with the ten plagues. Remember that amazing story of the ten plagues? Moses leads, leads them through the Red Sea. The Egyptian army tried to destroy them. The Egyptian army gets covered by the sea and destroyed. The Israelites then travel into the desert. And after three months, they reach Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai, they then hear God's voice. Or Moses goes to the top of Mount Sinai and he hears God's voice speaking clearly to him. And that is when he is given the Ten Commandments uh, as we have it here in Exodus 20. So they were given uh, directly to Moses as a, the basis by which his people, God's people, were to live. First and foremost, this, this is what is called a covenant. This is the basis of what is called the covenant, the agreement between God's people and him, between God and Israel. If they were going to live for him, they needed to be his, they want, God wanted them to be his treasured possession. So if you look back to Exodus 19, um, and uh, the chapter before the one we've just seen, uh, it says, You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Uh, and in, in fact, in verse 5, it says, Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So God, you see, is, is saying to his people, I want you to live my way. I want you to live, my, God says, this is the way that I want you to live in this land you're about to occupy. The other reason that he gives it is a framework uh, of how to live under God's blessing. Uh, remember the setting. They've been free from slavery. Slavery is a yoke of slavery. They've been in for years, for hundreds of years, been under the, the yoke of slavery, and God frees them from that. And he says, look, as you enter the promised land, I want you to live in this particular way. And so they need guidance to live in this unknown territory they're about to enter. 
And so God gives us a very, very clear guidance laid down in tablets of stone, uh, a firm indication that, that God wants the best for them. Now, you might be thinking, well, okay, this is given to a nomadic tribe three and a half thousand years ago uh, in, in the Middle East, in a very different culture to the land that we live in in the United Kingdom. At a very different time, we're living in the 21st century. They're living in whatever it is, BC, thousands of years before Jesus. And so you may think, well, what's the relevance between then and now? Well, if you were to transform the tents that they lived in into houses, uh, the, nomad, the nomadic tribes that are living in, into families that we live in, or as, as individuals or families that we live in, and if, if you transform the desert that they lived in into modern towns and cities, really, you will still find humanity is essentially having to deal with the same problems that they were having to deal with. Nothing much has changed in as much as we are people as they were people. The problems that we face, they face as people. And so we, we as human beings, the, the things that we are feeling, the things that we are behaving, the, all these fundamental things that we struggle with as humanity are the things that they struggle with as humanity. So the fact they lived, lived so long ago, in a way, it doesn't really matter because they were still struggling in all sorts of ways like we struggle. And so they have the same temptations that we have. And so therefore they needed the same rules that, they, that God gave all those years, thousands of years ago. And so what we're going to do is um, we're going to look at the, the last commandment first, the 10th commandment first, and then we'll work our way down from the 10th commandment down, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, finally to rule number 1 in the series of sermons. So we're going to start with commandment number 10. Uh, and this law is this. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So to covet means simply means to desire to possess something or someone that isn't yours. That is what coveting is about. It's to, it's the, the desire that something that somebody else has, you want, or someone that somebody else has, you want. That is simply what coveting is about. And so in Moses' day, that meant the desire to, to possess somebody else's spouse or their house or wealth, so that is their servants, or their means of earning a livelihood, which is an ox, or their means of transport, which is a donkey. So you think, think about, for yourself, your thought processes when was the last time you thought to yourself, oh, I really like that car. This is, I'm just talking about me, really. Oh, I really like that car. I wish that car was my car. Or you may be thinking about, um, if, if you're of a working age, you might think, oh, that job that they've got is so cushy, it's so good. I really want to have that job and not the job I've got. Or whatever it is. So the, the human, human nature hasn't changed between the time of Moses and the time that we are in now. We see something that we want, we want to make it our own, even if it doesn't belong to us. And, and yet we can, as, as human beings, there are all sorts of ways we can sort of make this sound all so reasonable and so legitimate. Um, you know, phrases like, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Or people live in two tents, content and discontent. Or God made us a little lower than the angels... 
but we're concerned to climb a little higher than the Joneses. Or our yearnings will always exceed our earnings. So you see, we're trying, to, we're trying to justify, aren't we, the way that we want something that doesn't belong to us in these sayings. We all want things, don't we? There's, there's nothing wrong with wanting things. There's nothing wrong with ambition. and There's nothing wrong with desire, necessarily. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're married, to desire your spouse is good and right. To want to have a job which gives you security and identity is fine. To want to be loved and respected is fine. These are all basic human needs, aren't they? This is absolutely fine. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But coveting is different. It's, it's a subtle difference that's going on, but there's a subtle difference between those good things and things that are wrong, coveting as a wrong desire. And it comes from a wrong motive, and it can lead to a very wrong outcome. So what we're going to think about today is, is how to cultivate contentment, how to live, with, how to live uh, in a contented way. Um, and so uh, bef- we're going to think about how it's wrong before we get to how we can get towards how God wants us to live. So we're going to think about the, the wrong thing first. We need to deal with this really straight away. So basically, first of all, coveting is self-centered. Coveting is self-centered. So again, that thought that you may have, and I certainly I will admit that I have, you know, I want, I'd like to have that car, or I'd like to have that TV, or I'd like to have that iPhone, or I'd like to have whatever that is that we that comes into our minds, I want that object or that possession. And the, 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 thing, the thing is, it's what I want. That possession is what I want. It may, it will, I think that whatever possession is, I think that thing will make me feel better. It'll make me enjoy my life more if I get that thing. And so what we're doing is we're beginning to let that object take first place in our lives and put God second. And so what God is, we're, we're making God place second fiddle rather than to be first in our lives. But in the end, we know, don't we, that if we make possessions, if we want more and more, our hearts are still not going to be satisfied because we're still going to want more. We're still going to, our heart will still be, not be satisfied because whatever we have, whatever we buy, whatever we go out to get, we're still going to be unsatisfied in our lives. St. Augustine, you've heard of St. Augustine? Well-known saint, lived uh, 300 years after Christ. He had a phrase that went along these lines. He said, you have made our hearts, Lord, and they are restless until they find their rest in you. So true, isn't it? You have made our hearts, Lord, and and, and they are restless until they find their rest in you. And so if we are are self-centred, not only will our hearts remain dissatisfied, we'll also become resistant to the will of God. I deserve, if I, that, that, that thought, I deserve the best, whatever it is, I deserve the best house, the best car, the best friends, the best this, the best that, the best job, whatever it is, in the end is a recipe for self-destruction because all these things begin to take the, the place of who God is in our lives and he wants to be in our lives. So if you're a Christian, and I'm guessing most of us are in this room, if you're a Christian, then we are called to live the enough way of life. The enough way of life, to have enough to live. 
He knows we need enough security. He knows we need enough material possessions. He knows we need this, this enough for life. He knows what we need. No more, no less enough. And so by not coveting, we're saying, God knows my needs, and I'm going to trust him to provide for those needs. So coveting is self-centered. Also, it is the way to live a sinful life. You may say to me, Peter, nobody has ever gone to prison for coveting. No one's ever been sent to jail for the desire to possess whatever it is. There's, there's, there's no, no one is sent to prison for the crime of coveting. A judge will not do that. But it, will lead, it can lead to doing something that is wrong. It can. Because the thing is, it starts in our minds. It starts up here, doesn't it? The coveting starts in our minds. It's a thought or a series of thoughts, and if it's left unchecked, it can lead to something that is wrong. King David in the Old Testament is an absolute prime example, and you'll, you'll know him, you'll know, I'm sure you'll know about the fact that King David uh, you know, is well known as a wise king, the, the, you know, the, one of the best kings of Israel. At the peak of their success, King David was the, you know, he really was a great king. And yet, he then had this thought he saw this lady who was having a bath on the building next door and he thought oh i like the look of her her name was bathsheba and he coveted bathsheba he thought i'm going to possess that woman and so he he summoned bathsheba he sent his palace guards and said right go and get brought him brought her to him he slept with her he was already married she's married and then so he's committing adultery and then he then decides, oh, I'm gonna, I need to cover this up a bit because, you know, this isn't quite, you know, I don't want other people to hear about this. So he basically then gets Bathsheba's husband. He tries to get him killed in battle on the battlefield, to be murdered on the battlefield, breaking another commandment to get him murdered. And so you see the fact that he, his coveting of this woman leads to other things, adultery, murder. And yet this is King David. This is a man that people look up to. Giving false witness is another thing. That, that, this hap- that what happens in his heart leads to these actions. So that thought can lead to wrong action. And Jesus, being Jesus, he gets to the heart of where this problem is. He says the heart of the matter is the matter of the human heart. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says this. He says, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft false testimony and slander it's, it's this is where it that this is where the problem is isn't it the things that happen up here can go to here the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart and so jesus is jesus is saying that if our hearts are turned away from god they can become turned in on themselves martin luther said very famously the heart can turn in on in, on, on, on itself and so the evil thought can lead to wrong action. And so our thought life is just as important as our outward life. So it's self-centered. It, it can lead to a, a sinful life. And thirdly, the third main reason why it's wrong and is that basically it will rob us of living a contented life. 
as I said, God knows what we need. He knows what we need. He knows what will make us happy. He knows what will give us a satisfied, contented life. He knows that. And that is why he says coveting is out. That is why it's in the Ten Commandments. Because he, he's not trying to set a trap for us. He's not trying, oh, yeah, look, I don't want to give these people any fun. Let's, let's, let's say, look, coveting is out. He's not trying to do that. He's not having a laugh against us. God has the best for us. He's, he's got good intentions for us. And so he knows that wanting things or people that are not our own will lead to unhappiness and a lack of contentment, lack of fulfillment. And so this is where advertising comes in. Can't escape advertising, can you? You go out on the street, you turn your TV on, you turn your iPhone on, you turn your iPad on, you turn whatever on. Advertising is praise on covetousness, essentially. That's what it's doing. And we are living in the midst of a hugely consumerist society. Absolutely bombarded, left, right and centre, about advertising for this, that and the other. If you go and buy this, you'll be happy. If you go and do that, you'll be happy. If you give in to that desire, you'll be happy. If you do, you know, all of that stuff is coming at us left, right and centre all the time. But if you ask anybody who has a lot, if you ask anybody who is wealthy, they will always say they want a little bit more. Whatever they have is not enough because they just want a little bit more. And so um, one example of many examples out there is Barry Humphreys. You remember the, you know, Dame Edna Everidge? Uh, Barry Humphreys said in his autobiography called More Please, I quote, said this, I always wanted more. I never had enough milk or money or socks or sex or holidays or first editions or friends or applause or guiltless pleasures. Of course, I have most of my fair share of those things, but it always left me with a feeling, with a vague feeling of unfulfillment. Where was the rest? So this seemingly very successful man is saying, where is the rest? Where am I going to find fulfillment? Because I don't have enough. And so the writer of the Hebrews says, instead of being bound by earthly possessions and earthly commodities, earthly things, the writer of the Hebrews says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. So on the spiritual of our eyes are the windows to our soul. So that where our sights are set will determine where we're going, where our destination, where we're heading. Um, I don't always do this, but when I, when I do um, mowing, you know, when I'm, I'm mowing our, I'll call it lawn, that sounds, that sounds fancy, but our back garden. When I'm, doing, when I'm, gar when I'm pushing the lawnmower, I... I Try and aim in a certain direction to try and get a straight line. It doesn't ever work, but that's what I'm aiming for. Is, is setting my sights on that to try and get a straight line of the, of the mower. And, and to guess, you know, but that's, that's, that's a kind of an example of the fact that that's, that's true of our faith. Where our eyes are fixed is where we're heading. Jesus says very bluntly, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Doesn't mix his words up, does he? There, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So beware of coveting, because it can, be, it, it can lead to self-obsession, it can lead to a sinful life, and ultimately it can rob us of being contented. 
So let's get to the positive stuff. How can we change? How can we, how can we battle against covetousness that is in, is in each and every one of us? How, what can we do? What can we do to change? How can we change? Firstly, be aware of those thoughts. Be aware of those covetous thoughts. And I'm talking to myself as well as anybody else in the room. Be aware of those thoughts that are covetous. It's often said, isn't it, if you are aware of a battle, that, that if you're aware of the battle, that's half the battle won. It's like anything. If you, if you, if you, if you plan, that's half the battle won. If, you, if you're prepared, that's half the battle won. That's the same with this, isn't it? We know coveting is everywhere. We know advertising is coming at us everywhere. It's on every magazine, etc., etc. But equally, nobody knows when you're coveting because it's in your heart. No one else knows, only you know. It's in the secret place of our heart and in our minds. That's where it's going on. Nobody else is aware of it, only yourself. So what I suggest you do is carry out an evaluation on your thought life in the, in the next few days. And, and literally do this. You know, Take a pen and paper and literally in the next few days carry out an evaluation of your thought life and, and jot down on a bit of paper these sorts and, and drop down these kind of questions. Things like, what are the things I really want? What are the things I really want? Are they good things or are they bad things? To what extent am I influenced by the media? To what extent am I influenced by other people's expectations of, of me? Or am I influenced by my own inner compulsions? What is my highest goal in life? Am I open to having my thought life under, brought under the lordship of Jesus? So you may want to jot those questions down and literally in the next few days bring yourself to that point of being honest with yourself and answer those questions to do with your thought life. How have you, how have you done in, in, in bringing yourself under the lordship of Christ in your thought life? And when you've done that, I would encourage you to speak to someone. Come and, come and have a word with me or someone that you trust and, and just be honest and say, look, I'm really struggling with this. I don't, I don't know how to do it. And, and, and you know, when you share with someone, that really helps, doesn't it? And, and, ask, and ask God to forgive you. He will forgive you. He'll help you to start again. So, so be, be real with God and, and list those, that, that get, get those thoughts captive. Secondly, Adopt an attitude of gratitude. Um, at the nine o'clock, this is the only one I had time to talk about, really. So the second way you can counter covetousness is to have an, an attitude of gratitude. Um, Debbie and I have just been on holiday, and um, I'm, not being judged, I'm not judging anyone, but we notice that, generally speaking, the, you know, there's a tendency in us as, as people to moan and groan. To say something's not quite right, you know, why don't they do this better? Why isn't that better than it is? Why don't they put that there instead of, you know, there's a tendency in us as human beings to kind of be grumblers and moaners and, you know, oh, it's not quite right, is it? Instead of being grateful for the, for the blessing of being alive. The psalmist says, Psalm 106 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love is eternal. In Paul's letter to the Philippians in chapter 4, Paul is in chains, he's a prisoner, and yet he writes this, I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. 
Paul's learned the, the secret of living a contented life. In whatever situation he's in, whether he's in prison, whether he's not in prison, whether he's facing death, whether he's free, he is content because he's learned the secret of living a contented life with God, under God's blessing. He's learned that it's not, it's not found in material stuff, it's not found in other people's approval of him, he's found it in knowing that God loves him. That's where he's found contentment. And so God desires we live with an attitude of gratitude and, and thanksgiving for all that God gives us each day. For our life, for family, for friends, for where we live. The fact that the United Kingdom, okay, it's got problems going on, and yet it's, it's essentially peaceful. It's a democracy. You know, being grateful, thankful for all the wonderful things that God has given to us each day. Most of all, of course, and thanking God for Jesus and his grace and his mercy in our lives. An attitude of gratitude. So it's, 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 it's being real with ourselves. It's having that attitude of gratitude. And thirdly, it's letting God mould our heart by his spirit. Letting God mould our heart by his spirit. I've been alluding to the fact all the way through this talk that the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. That is where the problem is. And so we need to keep our hearts in fit shape before God. I don't know what you do physically, whether you are a jogger or a, a, a walker or you play something. You, do, you know, But essentially, you know, whatever age we are, we need to try and keep our heart active, our heart healthy. And the same is true for our spiritual life. We need to keep our spiritual life in good shape. But the difference with our physical heart is that we cannot change them by hard work and effort, but only God can achieve that heart transformation spiritually. That spiritual transformation only God can do if we let him, when we let him. God said through the prophet Ezekiel, a new heart I will give you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh instead. So, as I sum up, as I, as I finish, I, if this morning you realise you need that sort of heart transplant, you need that heart workout, as it were, spiritually, I would encourage you to speak to someone. Don't struggle in this on your own. It's the last thing I want you to do, is struggle in this on your own. Get alongside someone. Get alongside someone and say, I'm struggling with this. Help me. Pray for me. Be with me. Help me. Come before God in prayer. Be real with God. Be real with whoever you're with and ask God to help you to have that heart transformation. And God is faithful. God loves us. He wants the best for us. He will, never, he will not leave you unchanged. So let's, let's, be, let's be quiet now, shall we? Uh, and let's, as we're in God's presence, let's just be quiet for a moment. in the quiet just be real with God about how your heart is with him
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us what we need. We thank you for these rules. We thank you for these commandments given to us, not to rob us of a good life, but to give us a good life. Because you know us, Lord. You know our tendencies. You know what's going on in our hearts, in our minds. And so, Lord, help us to be real with you. Help us to say sorry to you. Help us to start anew with you in our heart life with you, in our spiritual life, in our walk with you. And encourage us to help each other to be companions on the way, pilgrims walking together. In Jesus' name. As we continue our response to what we've just heard, uh, Sue's going to lead us in a course. I suggest we stay seated for this, and then that will lead into a prayer of confession. Only by grace can we enter. background. 
Let's say the words of confession together. God of love and mystery, make us yes. whole. Heal, heal the wounds the we carry in us and, and heal the wounds we have created in others. Make us make strong in the broken places that we will know of what we speak when we offer mercy and hope. Forgive us and enable us to forgive others the same way. God of love and mystery, make us whole through your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let's go back to the chorus, only by grace. blood of the Lamb. Into your presence you call us, you call us to come. Into your presence you draw us, now by your grace we we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Now, before we join in our final hymn, the children have come back. Does anyone want to come up and tell us about what you've been doing this morning? Oh, we've got one eager beaver. Oh, here we are. Are you going to come and tell us what you've been up to this morning? Yes? Are you coming up, Marie, as well? <laughs> they said they wouldn't, and now they will. 
<laughs> Do you want to grab the mic? Um. Is it on? Hello? Huh? Is it on, John? If not, I feel like I'm on. <laughs> Hello. I don't need it really. <laughs> I, those of you who don't know me, I'm, em, I'm Emma and I normally help sometimes at the um, toddler group, so I've been asked to stand in today. So we've been um, having some fun in the other room and we've been thinking about the Ten Commandments. Quite hard actually. If you're a grown up and have a look at the Ten Commandments and try and write them in child speak, very difficult. And also, um, I was talking to Sue with safeguarding hat on. Very difficult to say uh, about your parents. You know, respect your parents or you'll never go to heaven. <laughs> so it is hard. But we were concentrating on why God gave us the Ten Commandments. And we decided it was because we need rules to help protect us and keep us safe. So we played a game. Can you remember what the game was called? What was the game called? Traffic lights. So you know when you're all driving and you all keep the rules, don't you? So we had Alice being the traffic lights. What did we have to do when you when it was red? Stop. And when it was amber, Felicity? Walk. And then Alice kept changing green. Switched it up for us, didn't you, Alice? So sometimes green was run and sometimes green was hop. Very tricky. And sometimes, what was green the last time she did it? Skip. Skip, and she did jump. That's right. <laughs> Thank you from the back. Anyway, after we'd done that, we played another game. So I put all the commandments in envelopes, and I hid them round. And they were all in ordinary white envelopes, apart from this one. Do, do, do. And this was number 10, and it was so high, no one could reach it. So the only person who could reach it was... Marie, we were all a little bit jealous, although they would not say that because they're good children. And Marie opened it up, and it was commandment number ten, which was, "Thou shalt not covet another person's property. Your ox or your donkey, I'm not going to covet it." Okay, so I had to change that into child speak. So we talked about being jealous and all the things, and then we discovered. Can you do it again, Marie? Marie's envelope had a secret secret part to it and that said that God loves us all equally so there's nothing to be jealous of because we're all loved equally we're all made in his image and everybody had a heart to take home that said God loves you so when you're forgetting and you might feel that moment of I wish I had those trainers uh get your heart out and remember that God loves you and you don't need to be jealous because you're loved. Now we haven't got enough for everybody but we've got some spares so they've decided to just pop and give them to some people, okay? So don't forget, just imagine you've all got one. In fact, make it out of your paper, uh, pipe cleaner if you need to but just remember you love. And the other thing we did was we all made sure we looked at the Bible today because it struck me that a lot of the children haven't really used the Bibles so we got out the Minecraft Bible, very interesting, but still in the old speak. And we got out the, ch the children's Bible, and we found it and read from there. So it was a really lovely session. Thank you, children. Really enjoyed it, and I'm worn out now. Thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Thank you so much. It sounded good fun. Um, I didn't get a heart either, <laughs> but I'll draw one when I get home. Um, the focus this morning has been on God, hasn't it? Peter mowing his lawn in a straight line and just imagining him mowing in a straight line to God. Um, the children focusing on God and God's love and the Ten Commandments. So let's focus on him as we sing, Be Thou My Vision. Would you like to stand if you're able? And Sue will lead us. say the uh, blessing. Um, if any of you struggle to make a cross, James has got extra pipe cleaners at the back. So if you need another one like Peter did, he'll hand you one. <laughs> and I think has Debbie got a, a notice? Um, it's just occurred to Peter and I that it might be good to offer prayer this morning. So it's very off the cuff, but um, we'd be very happy to pray for you if anybody would like prayer. Um, so we'll just hover here at the end. All right. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you, Debbie. Yeah, please don't go home wishing that you'd taken up that offer. Um, Peter and Debbie will be very willing to pray with you about everything and anything. So the blessing. God the Father, by whose glory Christ was raised from the dead, strengthen you to walk with him in his risen life. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve our risen Lord. Amen. Peter and Debbie will come forward, so if you would like prayer, please come and join me.